A hike through the woods to clear your mind can turn far too quickly into a nightmare your mind and soul will never heal from. Today's two stories are examples of just that. Welcome to Camping Horrors, the show where real people send me their scariest camping and hiking stories, and I narrate them. The following tales feature a hunting excursion gone terribly wrong and childhood trauma from which the sender will never escape. Enjoy. I would love to narrate your scariest camping and hiking stories, so be sure to send them to me at darkstories.org. And be sure to catch my other shows for more of my narrations at eeriecast.com. Now, throw a log on the fire, because the night is still young. Follower from R. Hunter. It was a few years back when I found myself reeling from a painful breakup that had completely blindsided me. My now ex, Sarah, and I had been together for over five years, when out of the blue, she said she needed space. Before I knew it, she had moved out and cut off contact. I was devastated. We talked about spending our lives together, but now my future was unrecognizable. I wandered through each day feeling numb and lost in my own home. Everything reminded me of her. I needed to get away and clear my head. With deer hunting season coming up, I decided some time alone out in the familiar woods of my family's sprawling rural property would be good for me. Ever since I was a young boy, deer hunting in these woods during the fall had been a beloved tradition passed down from my father and grandfather. I headed out alone early one brisk November morning, just as the sun began to peak over the mountains nearby. A heavy silence hung over the forest as I hiked through the stands of evergreens. It was opening day of rifle season, but I wasn't concerned about bagging anything. I just wanted some space to gather my troubled thoughts after about an hour of hiking, I arrived at a clearing on a ridge which offered an incredible view of surrounding snow-capped peaks. This had been my grandfather's favorite spot. I sat against a tree, listening to the sounds of nature around me. For the first time in a long while, I felt the tension in my shoulders relax. Out of nowhere, a small herd of deer bounded through the clearing down the ridge, fleeing some unseen threat. I glanced up in time to see a beautiful buck emerge from the tree line, his impressive antlers crowning his head. My hunting instincts kicked in. I slowly raised my rifle, took aim, and felled the buck with one perfect shot. I took a moment to take in the kill, both proud and thankful for it. Then I began to field dress it. Skinning and cleaning the deer brought back fond memories of doing this same work as a young boy alongside my father and grandfather after successful hunts. They had taught me how to do it properly so as not to waste any part of the animal. I could almost hear their voices and laughter on the breeze. The sun was starting to set then by the time I was finished. I slung my rifle over my shoulder and gripped the deer's antlers. I started the arduous process of dragging the deer back to my truck. I'd parked a few miles away at the edge of the property 
earlier that morning. The weight of the large animal made for slow going over the uneven, rocky ground. My breathing grew labored before long, and my muscles burned from the exertion. As I stepped gingerly over fallen logs and branches, I was glad I'd worn my sturdy hunting boots. I frequently paused to rest and take swigs of water from my canteen. During one such break, I checked my watch and was surprised to see a couple hours had already passed. The sun had dropped below the ridgeline, bathing the sky in hazy pinks and oranges. Though I still had quite a bit of distance to cover, there was enough light left to make it back safely. With renewed vigor, I wrapped the deer's antlers once more in my gloved hands and continued my march. As I trudged along dragging the deer behind me, I heard the snap of a branch somewhere off in the trees. I spun around, my senses on high alert. Scanning the woods, I found nothing but deepening shadows stretching between the trunks. Uneasy, I shook my head and kept on walking. Probably just a squirrel or a bird, I told myself. I shook off the uneasy feeling from the snapping branch and continued dragging the deer through the darkening forest. Before long, I heard more odd noises from the dense trees around me. Twigs cracking, leaves rustling. It sounded like something was walking on two feet, keeping pace with me. My pulse quickened, but I told myself to remain calm. It was probably just a curious black bear. We'd had a few sightings on the property over the years. Even so, I picked up my pace, eager to get back to my truck. The noises continued, moving stealthily between the trees. Too quiet for a bear, I thought anxiously. Out of the corner of my eye, I noticed a fleeting shadow shift behind a large pine. I whipped my head around, but caught only a blur of darkness disappearing into the brush. The deer carcass seemed to gain weight with every step, as actual fear began to take hold. I wanted desperately to run, but I could hardly manage a hobbling walk weighted down by this deer. Whatever was stalking me stayed maddeningly out of sight, using the forest as cover. My heart pounded as the snapping branches and rustling leaves followed my every move. The presence felt ominous, even evil. I could not shake the feeling that intelligent eyes were watching me struggle from the shadows. I thought of my rifle then, slung uselessly over my shoulder. I needed both hands to drag this deer, which left me defenseless if this unseen thing decided to attack. With no other option, I summoned my last reserves of strength and forged ahead, determined to make it back to the truck before nightfall. Just a little farther, I told myself, trying to ignore the creepy sounds paralleling me step for step. You might be wondering why I didn't just drop the deer and confront my follower or just walk away from it. Fear is a funny thing. At the time, I felt both terrified but also silly for being scared. Because, again, I had no idea what it was. What if it really was nothing dangerous? Plus, I would have been mad at myself for having killed this animal just to leave it behind. 
My grandfather had always taught me to use as much of what I killed as possible. My blood turned to ice when a chillingly accurate deer call emanated from the trees behind me. The sound was a mocking impersonation of an alarm call from a white-tailed deer. No natural creature could mimic that so precisely. Adrenaline flooded my veins as the implications sunk in. This was no ordinary animal stalking me. Something intelligent, something utterly inhuman, was preying on me in the growing darkness. My guts twisted with primordial fear. The unseen creature grew more brazen, aggressively breaking branches as if to purposefully let me know it could end the game any time it chose. I was being threatened. I was being toyed with. Nearly delirious from exhaustion, I channeled every last ounce of strength into dragging that deer at a frantic pace. My lungs screamed for air and my legs wobbled, but I was wholly focused on reaching the safety of my truck ahead. With the last drags of daylight fading behind the trees, I finally stumbled into the small clearing where the old pickup was parked. I hurriedly loaded the heavy deer carcass into the truck bed as darkness enveloped the forest. I jumped into the driver's seat, my hands shaking violently as I fumbled to insert the key into the ignition. The woods behind me had gone deathly silent, but I could feel the presence of the predator, watching, waiting. As the engine roared to life, I said a grateful prayer that I would make it home alive. As I pulled away, a horrific otherworldly scream pierced the night air from somewhere deep in the black forest behind me. The ghastly sound sent shockwaves of dread down my spine. Whatever this malevolent entity was, it was furious that I had escaped its vile clutches. I drove recklessly fast down the winding dirt road, away from that godforsaken place, one trembling hand on the wheel and the other gripping tight around my rifle. When I arrived home, I leapt from the truck and raced to unload the animal. As I heaved its body from the truck bed, my blood turned to ice. The head was completely gone, ripped clean off the neck by some tremendous force. In the days that followed, paranoia consumed me. The image of the mutilated deer carcass seemed seared into my mind's eye. I constantly felt watched from the tree line at the edge of our property. At night, I would jolt awake certain the thing was outside, peering through my windows. Dark circles formed under my eyes that no amount of sleep could cure. One morning, our dog failed to greet me at the door as usual. I found the poor girl whimpering under the porch viciously mauled, but somehow still clinging to life. It felt like it was a message. This sinister presence could easily strike those I loved, if it so desired. One dreary morning, I worked up the courage to visit my grandfather. The old man had retired to a small place at the edge of town, not far from our family's property. I hadn't seen him in a while, and I felt guilty that it took something so dire to prompt a visit. When I arrived, Grandpa looked pleasantly surprised to see me. 
He invited me in, and we caught up over coffee at his worn kitchen table. Eventually, I broached the subject. I asked as casually as possible if he'd ever experienced anything odd while hunting near that ridge. Grandfather's expression darkened. He stared silently into his coffee mug for several long moments before speaking. You saw something out there, didn't you? He asked gravely. I nodded, ashamed to have brought up something that clearly troubled him. But I had to know. He leaned back with a heavy sigh. <sighs> Didn't want to believe it myself, he began slowly. But over the years, things happened that I couldn't explain. Strange calls in the night, an odd sense of being watched by an unseen menace. A couple of times, while hauling a kill, I'd hear twigs snapping, leaves rustling right behind me. My blood ran cold. It was just as I'd experienced. Never actually saw anything, though, Grandfather continued. And I didn't want to believe evil could exist so close to home, so I convinced myself it was all my imagination. But deep down, I've always known there's something darned unnatural in those woods. I told him every chilling detail of my encounter with the unseen stalker. The sound of branches cracking, the precise mimicry of deer calls, the mutilated carcass. He listened grimly, nodding in recognition. I'm sorry. I should have warned you, Grandpa said regretfully when I finished. All these years I've been denying it myself, pretending it was nothing. But it's still out there, I see. I changed the subject trying not to linger on something so distressing. After all, my grandpa's best years were behind him, and I didn't want to stress him out. It's been years now, though I'm still afraid it may be out there, lurking in the shadows. Maybe, hopefully, I'm just paranoid. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. What is horror to you? Monsters? Murder? Mystery? Well, if human monsters are your thing, June's Journey is the game for you, albeit in a more lighthearted tone. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too, in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. 
Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Why I Can Never Go Hiking Again From Georgie There is one memory from my teenage years that still haunts me to this day an encounter I had while hiking in the woods by my childhood home. It was something I witnessed that I can never unsee, and it changed the way I see the world, making me wary of the darkness that can lurk unseen even in the tranquility of nature. When I was 14 years old, hiking in the forested hills near my subdivision was one of my favorite after-school activities I'd throw my backpack on and escape into those woods almost daily, wandering for hours amongst the oaks, pines, and maples until it started getting dark. It was so peaceful, just me, the sounds of birds, and wind in the leaves. Usually, I'd bring a book or my Game Boy and I'd find a nice spot to relax, unwinding from the school day. It became my much-needed refuge. The wooded area stretched on for acres, with a few dirt trails crisscrossing through it. But I would often veer off trail, forging my own path through the trees and underbrush. I would encounter deer, rabbits, squirrels, your typical woodland creatures. Nothing threatening. Over time, I got to know the forest intimately, like it was an extension of my backyard. But all that changed one Saturday morning when I decided to go hiking before lunch. It was a mild, sunny day in early fall, leaves just starting to change color. Walking down the trail into the woods, I smelled that earthy forest scent, that one of soil and pine needles. Birds were chirping and flitted from branch to branch. It seemed like any other day. I followed the main trail for a bit, until it forked off. I took the path to the right, which wound uphill into a more dense part of the forest. The trees here were ancient, their thick trunks covered in green moss. I ambled along admiring the towering pines, when suddenly I noticed light streaming into a clearing up ahead. As I approached, I could see a man through the trees. He was furiously kicking dirt over a spot on the ground. He hadn't noticed me yet. I quickly ducked behind a large oak to observe what he was doing. Peering around the trunk, I tried to make sense of the bizarre scene. Why was he burying something out here? My first thought was that he had killed some kind of animal and was covering it up. But as I stared more closely, I caught a glimpse of what looked to be human hair mingled in with the dirt. My blood turned cold. Was he burying a person? I must have gasped out loud because the man suddenly stopped his frantic shoveling and stood upright. Who's there? Who's there? He barked, eyes scanning the tree line. 
I shrank back behind the oak, praying he had not seen me. My heart hammered against my ribs. The man called out again, his tone edged with anger. Come out! Come out. I heard you, you little punk. He began slowly walking towards my hiding spot, leaves crunching under his boots. I had to think fast. I debated revealing myself, acting casual, and saying I was just passing by. But something about the malicious glint in his eyes told me that would be a deadly mistake. This was no ordinary hike anymore. I'd witnessed something sinister, possibly a murder. Fear gripped me rooting me in place. I wanted to run, but my legs were jelly. I heard the man drawing closer, his footsteps punctuated by the swish of a shovel cutting through the air. Any second now, he would circle the oak and find me cowering there like a scared rabbit. Fight or flight kicked in. I had to flee. Mustering all my courage, I bolted from the hiding spot and tore through the woods in the direction I came. The man let out an angry yell, and I heard him give pursuit. Twigs lashed my arms and face as I raced downhill, my vision blurred by adrenaline and tears. Daring to glance back, I saw the man gaining on me, his shovel raised high like a weapon. He bashed it against trees as he ran, slicing bark that exploded in his wake. He was maybe ten yards behind me, blinded by psychotic rage. I screamed and pushed my adolescent legs faster. I'd never run so hard in my life. My lungs burned as I sprinted through the shadowy forest. I didn't dare look back again. I could hear that maniac crashing through the underbrush behind me cursing and swinging that shovel violently. He seemed so determined to catch me, as if he had to ensure I would never reveal what I'd witnessed. I couldn't let that happen. Dodging around trees, vaulting over rocks and fallen logs, I flew down the trail on wings of pure terror. I tried to recall the quickest route back to the subdivision from here. Left at the big oak ahead, a sharp right at the creek, just stay on the main path afterwards. My mind raced faster than my pumping legs. Then a terrifying idea hit me. How had I not thought of it sooner? Was he going to follow me all the way home? And if he did, would he murder my whole family to cover his tracks? Bile rose in my throat as I imagined my little sister or parents being slaughtered by this psycho. I had to lead him away from my house, no matter what. Glancing left, I spotted a deer path veering steeply uphill. If I took that detour, it might disorient him long enough for me to get home safely. I banked sharply and scrambled up the incline, my shoes slipping on leaf litter. Behind me, the man wheezed and sputtered, struggling to keep up now. I'd gained some precious distance. As the hill leveled off, I risked a peek back. The man was kneeling now, bracing his hands on his thighs to catch his breath, but his eyes still burned with frightening intensity. He started to climb again, waving that shovel menacingly. You're dead, kid, he bellowed. No one's gonna believe a little turd like you. I faced forward, focusing everything on getting as far away from that madman as possible. 
My neighbor's houses came into view down the hill. Safety was so close, but the sound of the man crashing through the brush propelled me faster. Just as I sensed him nearing arms reach behind me, I heard a sickening crack, followed by a strangled cry. Oh! He must have struck something hard. I couldn't stop to look. I cleared the tree line and raced for home, rasping and wheezing. I'd escaped that monster's clutches by the skin of my teeth, but I wasn't safe yet. I burst from the tree line and sprinted across our backyard, my heart feeling like it was going to explode. I didn't stop until I was inside with the door locked behind me. My mom jumped up from the couch, startled by my dramatic entrance. Honey, what happened? She asked, eyes wide with concern as she took in my disheveled, terrified state. I was coated in dirt and scratches, clothing ripped, soaked with sweat. I tried to speak but only managed gasping wheezes. I bent over, bracing my hands on my knees, inhaling huge gulps of air. Mom rushed to get me some water, looking quite confused and afraid. As my breathing regulated, I finally choked out. A man in the, in the woods. He was burying someone. He chased me. Mom's face went white. She grabbed the phone to call 911. I collapsed on the couch, exhausted and still trembling with adrenaline. As mom explained the situation to the operator, I kept picturing the homicidal glint in that man's eyes as he had chased me. That was a vision I could never unsee. Dad bolted through the front door just as mom hung up with 911. He must have seen me running and thought I was in trouble. She quickly recapped what little info I'd provided. Dad's expression hardened with anger and determination. He grabbed a baseball bat and opened the front door, ready to hunt that man down. But Mom stopped him. No, just wait here for the police to handle this, she urged. They argued tensely until Dad reluctantly agreed not to go back out there. At that point, I didn't have the strength to intervene. I just sat numbly, watching it unfold, grateful to be alive. It felt like an eternity until police sirens wailed down our street. Two squad cars pulled up, and officers rushed to our door. As mom let them in, an ambulance arrived for me. The EMTs cleaned my scrapes and insisted I get checked for any other possible injuries. I explained to them that I was fine, and I refused to leave until I knew that the man was caught and no longer a threat. The police took my statement, asking me to show them exactly where in the woods I'd seen him. Dad said he was coming too, ignoring Mom's pleas. But she finally relented, realizing she couldn't stop us. Dad and I led the police into the forest, hoping that monster was still there and that no one else had fallen victim to his madness. My heart pounded as we approached the clearing. I prayed we wouldn't find another body buried there. To my immense relief, the ground was undisturbed, but the man was gone without a trace. While police searched the area, I recounted exactly what I'd witnessed, fighting back tears. It all felt so surreal. 
they found strands of long blonde hair in the dirt. His victim. The one I'd seen him kicking dirt over. Just the confirmation they needed that I was telling the truth. Dad gripped my shoulder, silently comforting me as we watched the police collect samples and photograph the scene. Before long, the police told us that we couldn't be here anymore. I could tell my dad was struggling to contain his boiling anger. He wanted to personally hunt down the killer himself, the one who had nearly taken his son's life. After an extensive sweep of the woods, which turned up no other clues, we headed home as dusk fell. The police assured us there would be an ongoing investigation, and they would patrol the neighborhood until the man was caught. I doubted we would ever see that madman again. Later on, I would find out that what the man was kicking dirt over was only the head of someone he had killed. That thought made me feel even more sick. In the following days, I replayed the chilling encounter in my head over and over. I gave police as detailed a description of the killer as I could manage, working with a sketch artist to recreate his visage. It was a face I knew would haunt me forever. Those eyes were devoid of humanity, his lips twisted into a snarl. My parents got me set up with a therapist to work through the trauma, but it felt like no amount of counseling could restore the feeling of safety I'd once found in those woods. I refused to step foot there again, terrified I would cross paths once more with the monster who wished me dead. Weeks later, the police updated us, and I was not happy. None of my family was happy. They told us that the victim was identified, but the killer was still at large. Without him in custody, I was constantly on edge, imagining his shadowy form lurking outside or peering in my window at night. The only saving grace was that, not too long after this, my family decided to move. Now, ten years later, the case remains cold. Never knowing if that homicidal maniac was alive or dead continues to haunt me. And while my friends have fond memories of their youth, that terrifying day stained my adolescence. I'm grateful to be alive, but I'll never have closure. Not until he faces justice for his horrors committed in those once peaceful woods. To this day, I struggle with anxiety and sleepless night. Loud noises make me jumpy. I always imagine that shovel-wielding maniac bursting through the door. Sudden movement glimpsed from the corner of my eyes conjures visions of him lunging from the shadows. I steer clear of wooded areas now, no longer finding nature's serenity and beauty peaceful. Only the creature comforts of civilization give me any sense of security now. My therapist says I'm suffering from PTSD, that my nervous system is still on high alert, anticipating fresh trauma. I've come a long way in processing what happened, learning self-care tools to manage the emotional scars. But true peace evades me. Without closure or justice, I'm left endlessly braced for the day that monster re-emerges from somewhere. Not knowing haunts me most of all. The police tried to assure me that he was possibly dead now, or at the very least long gone, as no similar crimes occurred in the area again. But until I see his body, or see him staring back at me from behind bars, the uncertainty will linger.
Somewhere out there under the sun, my would-be killer still draws breath, and the woods where he nearly took my life remain imbued with horror in my memory. Perhaps one day I'll find closure. But for now, the shadow of that traumatic day looms over me, dimming the light of every dawn. Thank you for stopping by at our little campsite here at Camping Horrors. To hear your story on the show, send it to us for narration at darkstories.org. For more narrations from me, you can catch me on my other podcasts, Unexplained Encounters, and Tales from the Break Room on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast app. Or you can go to eeriecast.com for those and even more terrifying podcasts. Follow me on X, formerly Twitter, at Dark Prevails. And be sure to leave Camping Horrors a rating and review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Now then, I'll see you soon when the campfire blazes once again.